0: Welcome to the Decent People Podcast, a production of Decentral Media, where we're committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a new decentralized economy and internet experience. You guys know it as Web3 or Blockchain, but we're going to bring you the smartest and most interesting people in the space for intimate conversations that reveal their background, how they got into crypto in the first place, and what they're doing today to make a decentralized future a reality. Thanks so much for joining us and check out our site at Decentral.io. Now to the show.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Decent People podcast. I'm here this week with Alex Todd, founder of Saucy Farms Extracts, and Brandon Howard, founder of the Higher Life CBD Dispensary. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, what's up? What's up? what's up man thanks for having Uh, us
1: yeah of course of course so you know two two unique stories uh for both of you uh maybe just to to tee it up you know did you guys ever envision being in the cannabis space growing up was that an aspiration sort of how did how did you both find your way to your your current uh spots
2: i never thought that i would be in uh in the cannabis business ever uh growing up Cannabis was not even, you know, an option for us having any type of, unless you were doing, you know, selling drugs basically uh, on the corners and, you know, or, you know, have a beeper service, something like that. I was more on the consumer side. Um, I was, I'm a big time smoker since I'm 15, smoke almost every day since then. I took a few breaks in between just, just for whatever reason, but primarily been smoking now for, you know over 25 years and I never envisioned myself being in this industry until obviously the, the laws and the regulations changed. And uh, once that happened, then we started to take a deeper look into it, but it all stemmed from, you know, the love of the plant, the love of what cannabis has meant for me, um, for my health. And, you know, it, um, it, it started off as a passion, some more of a passion project. And just developed into what it is now.
3: Awesome, awesome. And uh, for you, Brandon, I got into an accident and I started leaning toward towards the medicinal side of it. So I tried CBD on my neck for inflammation, and from that point on, I fell in love with it. Like I was like, this is way more just to, just smoking with your friends, having a little social get together. Like this can really help people. So I jumped right into the CBD, and like cannabis is my life now. Like I love it. Awesome, awesome,
1: and so was both. So both your paths, then it sounds like, came from a place where you both had a relationship with the plan and and an experience with it, and it and it uh, made sense then to monop- or monopolize monetize <laughs> the the value of what you guys were experiencing, kind of on your own uh, mm-hmm. separately.
2: Yeah. yeah. Once you see something that you're passionate about and all of a sudden you can now start making money in something or try to make money in something that you're passionate about, I think that's a major key to success
1: was there something that led you to believe, oh hey, I can carve a niche in this industry that's aligned with my passion, or for both of you really you know what what was it that allowed you to see hey i can I can add something to this?" To this culture in this industry
0: i
2: think there was a big void in this industry in the beginning more than now is starting to get a little bit better but i think there was a big gap between the suits the big corporations and what the culture wanted and i think we still have that gap there where you know most of the people in in like the the, the big states are all dominated by major MSOs with guys that are wearing suits that never smoked the product before in their life. And it's been strictly about capital and making money. And they don't care about the plant. They don't care about the people that are buying the plant. They don't care about the social justice arm of it, of how many people are still in jail. I think there's over 40,000 people that are still in jail over the plant and i think that i felt there was like a big big gap uh that separates what we're part of culture part of the culture that we're that we're in and what the cannabis landscape is actually what it actually is in the united states right now so we're um you know we were trying to fill that gap and try to bring the culture intersect the culture with the suits for saucy anyway and try to get you know, some of these suits thinking more aligned with the culture as opposed to just, you know, going public and bottom lines and things in that nature.
3: This stigma with uh, marijuana is like, is some people look at it like very very negatively, but it's not a negative, like it's not nothing negative. Like the culture's full of uh, passionate people who work everyday jobs that could smoke and still go to work and still be fully functional. And, uh, like, there's a lot of people in jail for marijuana, too. I, I actually have an uncle that's doing 30 years for marijuana right now. Uh, so, like, to watch, to watch like, the big corporate companies, like Alex talked about, make money and people still sitting in jail for doing the same thing they're doing now legally. Like, that's something that I want to do shed light on, the, uh, on my brand and cannabis itself to show people, like, people can do this as a real job. There's nothing bad. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, let's make this a culture where people can accept it. You know, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's one of my main purposes too.
1: Totally, totally. And, and as part of that awareness and, and kind of showing how, as you said, Brandon uh, and, and you as well, touched on it, uh, what's being done in that space? And I guess with your respective brands to kind of address those, those, those topics.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I work closely right now with, like, Corvin Cooper, who, um, you know, he was sentenced to life without parole in for cannabis. And, um, you know, ever since he was pardoned by Trump last year, before Trump left office, we've been working really closely with him, really trying to help, um, doing whatever we really can to shed light on the people that are still in jail, that are still, you know fighting for their day of freedom, like, um, you know, Brandon said, there's corporations that are trying to make billions of dollars, but there's still plenty of people in jail um, and still going to jail. I mean, you know, as you know, the federal government is still not 100 percent on board with cannabis right now. So we're just trying to change as much as we could try to lobby and try to, you know, make donations. We try to keep in touch with some of the prisoners. Um, we give some, we give a small portion of our profits to the reform Alliance um, to help with just, you know, reform and um, try to do whatever we could to push the envelope, To you know, to, to start really f- hoping that one day that these people that are in jail are, will eventually come free and will be able to join this industry. I think New York state um is, definitely doing a decent job with, you know, trying to get former um, convicts and people that were, you know, harmed by the war on crime, you know, the opportunity to get into this industry. Uh, I think that the first 200 dispensaries in New York state are going to social equity and uh, it helps on, on your application if you've been arrested for cannabis crimes in the past. I think that's a, a nice way, in terms of reparations. They're also raising 200 million dollars, you know, to help these uh, these people get into the industry with, you know, putting up a dispensary, helping them fund it, giving them some operating capital. Um, so I think New York New York State is actually trying to get it right, and I'm excited about being a New Yorker. I'm excited that, uh, you know, that we have, you know, Tremaine right as head of the cannabis commission Um, I'm I'm excited about what's what's happening in New York altogether. So we're just going to keep pushing the needle, you know, pushing the envelope and uh, trying to get, trying to get these 40,000 prisoners home.
1: What, where do you guys see your respective companies and then just the the mission of them tying into both the future of cannabis and, and this new horizon of metaverse and, and cryptocurrency uh
3: i think like as like as i do more and more of the podcast and i sit back and think about uh the vision like in the future honestly uh i think that in the future that people will be able to wear the vr gar- gargles actually walk in a real dispensary and order whatever they want and have it shipped to their doors i think it would be a very good idea for people who's not as mobile as other people uh it's very convenient for them i mean uber eats uh and all those companies that deliver it show that it was a big convenience for people during COVID. So with the the metaverse approaching, like I think that in the future, like that will be like the metaverse will be the place to go for e-commerce. Period. But for cannabis, it's going to be very convenient for people to order to their door, actually have fun, and be able to walk a, um, walk. You know, walk the block the, on the Ethereum blockchain in the metaverse.
1: Cool. So essentially, you're saying. The future seems primed to, you know, go into a virtual store, which it would equate to the supply in an actual dispensary in this case, and <laughs> make a selection all from your couch, presumably.
3: Yes. So imagine if you like, uh, I had this idea where, uh, like, imagine if you went into a kiosk and when you left a nightclub on a weekend and you just walk into this cool kiosk, you could sit down and put the gargles on and order something and it could show up right there. At your location or at, or at your house before you get home like that's going to be the future
1: kind of like kind of like now how you can order a burrito on postmates before you arrive at your destination and have that right there you'll have your uh your bag or
3: your pre-rolls ready to rock yep yep and you can buy it on the on the blockchain control while the people for the people so that's pretty cool
1: yeah yeah yeah. And and as far as as far as the mission of both Saucy and 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 Higher Life, you know, maybe talk a little bit about of what each of your respective ventures, you know, aim to do and and how they're serving uh the industry uh in in a different way.
2: I mean, just to piggyback, you know, what Brandon was saying earlier, you know, I I wasn't per se so uh until Brandon told me, you know, asked me about putting the saucy store in his, in his dispensary um, on the metaverse. I wasn't so keen on, you know, obviously I love cryptos, love the NFT space. Don't know much about the metaverse. I can't even log in to like most, (laughs) most of these like, you know, sandbox and like the central land and I don't even know how to log into most of these places. So for me, I think um, at first glance, it was just more of an advertising opportunity where, you know, we don't have the conventional conventional advertising spaces like going to Google or going to Facebook. They don't accept us, the cannabis industry as of right now. So for me, it was more about trying to get as many eyeballs as possible uh, to, to look at the brand, you know, and being a very hot industry, being uh, something that is being talked about very heavily right now. Um, We figured why not, you know, try to get our brand exposure out there. You know, if there's a lot of eyeballs in the metaverse right now to us, it was more about trying to get our brand um, more noticed and being affiliated with the crypto space and just being, you know, at first it was more like what I was thinking more to do an NFT uh more of like as a membership to exclusive products from us possibly smoke lounges all around the country eventually um that was more of my crypto ideas that i was coming out with um and that's something that we still plan on doing you know we plan on hopefully you know launching some nfts and eventually once once the metaverse is more accessible to people, like Brandon said. It would be cool if people are at a concert in the metaverse listening to a Rihanna concert and they know they don't have to move, they don't have to leave their house, they can put on, you know, just go next door, next to the concert venue, go in there, actually see the bud, see the products, and be able to get it delivered eventually to your home without having to leave your couch. Is going to be an amazing. Is is going to be an amazing situation, just like like he said, Uber and and um, you know Postmates and all these convenient tools that you know they don't actually touch the plan or touch touch the products. You know Uber doesn't own any cars. You know uh, Airbnb doesn't own any real estate. So it's just about connecting the product users with the with the you know the consumers with the actual product. I think that's where. The metaverse is going to be really key because, you know, for example, CBD, not like cannabis, you can send all over the country, all over the world. Somebody wants to, you know, is able to go and ha- if they do have some back pain in Germany, for example, they can go on to the central land or they can go on to crypto voxels and go into the higher life CBD right now and just order some cream for themselves or a tincture and get it delivered to them, which is, you know, pretty amazing. You know, and um, I just think, you know, in terms of advertising, convenience and just technology in general, I think it's it's the future.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms of in terms of that advertising, that's really a really interesting point, I think. So, so there's regulations in place then, again, I, for, for those who don't know, it, that prevent you from advertising in the mainstream ways that other companies can advertise their products. Is
2: that, yeah, I mean, we can't advertise on Google. We can't advertise on Facebook. Can't advertise on Instagram.
3: Nope. Um, either, no TikTok.
2: TikTok. Yeah. So you're, you're basically, you're, you're really limited to what you could do to like billboards and like print, which is like old fashioned shit, you know, to be quite frank with you. Um, All the new technology, the only thing where we're able to actually, you know, to to really get out there is maybe some Twitter. And right now with this metaverse, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to really be able to reach the whole world. I mean, when you're doing local stuff, billboards and stuff, you're reaching only the people that are driving by that billboard, right? Where opposed to anybody can get on online. And hopefully when there's a lot of people using the metaverse, they're going to be all over the world so your reach just becomes so much bigger and i think that's what we're most excited about
1: yes right and 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 i think the other main point that that's really interesting is is the legalities too because you're you're not only able to reach that wider demographic and more people but it seems there's i mean you're you're doing it there there's not the metaverse isn't regulated like calling yeah
2: uh, not yeah, yet okay. anyway <laughs> right, yeah, right right right
1: well Really fascinating. So are there things then currently that you're able to do aside from adver- is, is advertising then, would you say that the biggest thing that you can do in the metaverse that you can't do in you know, call
3: it real life. Well, well, there's a couple of things. So you actually could build your dispensary. Like you actually want it to look without building it in reality. So that's a cool part too. So you can actually put a build in there, build it like you want it to look. And then you have the fun part of, being like in a game remote where you can walk in and buy stuff like you're really there, but you're not. So it's it's a conjunction of a lot of things, advertisement, uh, being able to be creative and build things the way you want without spending a lot of money. Um, and then you're actually running the business and you're still legal, so you don't have anything to worry about. And the metaverse seems to be very accepting to us, too, as long as we don't break any rules or uh, do anything wrong, like the community accept us. That's awesome. the cool part. Yeah, yeah. And
1: so, like, could you essentially say, say you didn't have uh, a retail space, but you were a business? Could you build your business in the meta? Like you build your your shop in the metaverse, but still run it out of, you know, say you were were being really cost efficient and running it out of a, a particular location. Could you could have a, a metaverse location as your storefront and then the back end could be something else?
3: Yeah. That's the cool part yeah i I
2: think it just all depends on again like what you're selling like cannabis thc products you can't really do that right now only if you're selling it in the state that you're licensed to sell in so you can't just get on the metaverse in detroit and buy saucy unless we're licensed in michigan so you Mm -hmm. still have you still have to follow the rules of of basically uh your current local jurisdiction um eventually eventually we're hoping for that you don't have to grow and sell in the same state that you're in and that just becomes a federal federal regulation issue and uh but you know perfect example is what brandon's doing i mean he's he's worldwide on crypto voxels but his storefront is in indiana Mm -hmm. or in you know so it's um it's pretty cool that he could ship and people have eyeballs of all his products anywhere across the world without having to advertise, you know, obviously on other sites and and people can access his medicine all across the world now, uh just by going on to his crypto voxel store. Mm-hmm.
1: And and is that predominantly because the C B D, you know, it doesn't have THC, so it can be yes. as you're saying, yeah, it could everybody be can yeah you're allowed yeah.
2: to ship you're allowed to ship uh, CBD across state lines and out of the country where as opposed to THC has to be sold in the state, licensed in the state, tested in the state. It's really it's it's a really tough industry, man. It's like imagine having to drink wine. Uh, where are you located right now?
1: I'm in Los Angeles.
2: I'll you you have good you have good access to yeah. good California wine. And good ca- California Bud. But right. me, on the other hand, I'm from New York. And imagine having to drink wine that was produced in New York, in the state. And you can only drink liquor that was produced in New York State. It makes things a lot more difficult. So, um, you know, that's that's our biggest problem is just the, the production-wise and people, the investment it takes. So every time, you know, Budweiser only has to build one factory and they can distribute it from their one factory, but a company like Saucy needs to put up multiple factories in every single state that we go into. We would have to build our own, comp- you know, build our own production facility or partner with existing facilities that are already in the state. So it just makes it, it just makes it very difficult for us to really um, to really make money. The tax structure is very difficult. You know, you can't write off the majority of the products like you could in other businesses. And, you know, it's just it's it's a very tough landscape right now. Uh, And that's why the majority of the people that are making money are the ones that are are still doing it illegally.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So and how and how do you how do you navigate that space between obviously maintaining a a legitimate operation and, and balancing it with, you know, folks who might cut corners to to achieve more of a profit?
2: You know. Obviously, right now it's it's a tough landscape, and you just have to keep you keep pushing and you keep um, you know fighting and going for what you believe in, and you have a passion for it. You know, like many other things, I'm sure other entrepreneurs have you know thought about giving up many times, and you just got to keep fighting through it. You know, nothing is built overnight. You know, they say. A consumer product good you know something that's you know a product that's made and manufactured or a brand develop something in the cpg space you know it takes about 10 years you know to really develop a brand in that space you know so you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and hope that eventually these laws do change where you know we're able to produce products in california and sell them in all over the country all Mm -hmm. over the world we're hoping to get to that, hoping to get to that space. As of right now, you just really have to, really have to just, you know, buckle up and just like trim as much fat as possible and try to, you know, try to build your brand where it's everybody wants it and just constantly put out a a really good product. So when people do have the opportunity to experience your product, they're they're happy with their first impression. I think it's very important. Mm.
1: Right. And then and then from there, one would imagine word of mouth is huge, especially with this type of stuff, because it's such an experiential, you know, just like food or as you guys were talking about uh, alcohol, you know, it's.
2: Yeah, it's really experimental, experimental. And, you know, it's it's I've been I've been fortunate because of my prior industry and some of my connections that I had with some celebrities and things like that to really get my brand in the forefront. But not everyone has those type of, you know, um, don't have those type of connections and don't have that, you know, the access to really do that. It costs people a lot of money to do that, where us, we've been fortunate enough, you know, with, you know, we have partners, one of my partners, you know, that's the president of Rock Nation and, you know, so we've had the access to some of the people that could magnetize our brand and our awareness so we've been lucky with that point but the majority of the companies out there that are startups don't really have that you know unfortunately and they have to go out and try to brand and spend tons of money on parties and marketing and which is hard to convert into actual sales so you're
1: saying that there there is an added value to those relationships that you have because a tweet or a instagram post or something like that which isn't advertising the product per se but is mentioning the company
2: it's brand awareness you know yeah yeah it's just organic yeah. brand awareness and um i think that's better than any amount anything that you can actually pay for because it's like it's real and people could feel that so and, you know and
1: kind of kind of what you were saying though just a, a question on accessibility so if say i'm here in la i go to new york i experience something amazing with the Saucy Farms. If I come back here and I want to get it, I'd still have to go to New York. I can't, I can't get it here in LA basically.
2: Luckily enough, we're in LA also. (laughs) Well, there you go. Luckily enough, we're, our brand started at California. Got it. Uh, California, Oregon, next couple of weeks, we'll be launching in Arizona and in Michigan as well. In Michigan as well. Unfortunately, if you're in New York, you can't get my product. So it's uh, it's one of those things for now. We're not licensed in New York. We haven't figured that part out. We're working on it. And New Jersey as well. Uh, those are the next two states that we're coming after. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. New Yorkers, where which is our biggest market probably, where I'm from, where I have the most connections, I can't sell my product here. Huh. Got go to Cal- gotta go to California basically to smoke saucy. Which... So, so you're saying, too, then you have to
1: go to each individual state and, and secure those licenses
3: versus, man, that's a lot of legwork. <laughs> it's a lot of legwork. Yeah, but if you think about it, once he lock all that legwork in and the metaverse takes off, people will be able to order from all those different states from the metaverse, too. So it's going to be beneficial for him as well.
2: Right. So if you go to Crypto Voxels, you'll be able to go to our – our second floor up there the saucy store and if you're in california you'll be they'll direct you to a website and you can order it from the website
3: mm-hmm. so it's
2: not fully it's not 100 yet where you can just click it's still kind of a process a lot of web 2 still involved um just regular basic internet technology is still involved with it but eventually as the metaverse grows and as the laws change and as things progress i think it will be a lot more easier i would say and accessible to everyone mm-hmm. got it
1: got it so so yeah it, as as you know crypto and the metaverse as you're saying continues to grow so that it sounds like you're you're primed to sort of ride the wave and adapt with it and allow more accessibility to the products and, and stuff like that yeah <laughs> i mean
2: look if you look at all the major companies like the big the big big msos they're losing Hundreds of millions of dollars a year, trying to figure out the landscape, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in the United States, not too many profitable cannabis companies out there right now. So everyone's betting on the future. Mm. Uh, that's that's what it is. Uh, as of right now, it's just a race to trying to build your name, try to find quality partners. And I think that the space that we're in, you know we're we're still in the first or second inning of this space, which is really cool. So that I think that, uh, there's a lot of potential and a lot of growth, but as of right now, don't think you're going to get into the space and you're going to make millions of dollars and it's simple and everybody smokes weed and it's not easy. It's very tough uh, landscape right now. So I would just, you know, forewarn people just to do their research, do their due diligence before jumping in, really just dive into it and make sure they know what they're doing.
1: Uh, On that tip is, do you think that having, uh, you know, the relationship with higher life and and the CBD component has aided certainly the brand awareness and growth in a way that without that piece, you know, it it, has that been instrumental, I guess, in just the growth of everything.
2: I think CBD is, you know, it comes from the same plant, from the same family, you know, hemp, um, cannabis, Very similar. Just the psychoactive activity is removed, the THC portion of it, for the most part. Um, I think it's big, the fact that we're getting less and less. um, What's the word you used before, Brandon? Uh, Stigma about the the plant. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's very important. I think CBD has done a great job with that. You know to help this this destigmatize uh, cannabis in, in general, and then you know I wouldn't have been part of the the metaverse as of yet if it wasn't for Brandon and his CBD company. You know he had the for the forward vision and the forward looking um, to be able to to start this and really get the attention and get the eyeballs. And we're just hoping to you know hopefully ride his coattails and get more consumers to his space and and hopefully there'll be more brand awareness for us
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and brandon what was the sort of instigating thought or or event or experience that kind of helped push you to to realize hey this is something we need to kind of grab a hold of and become part of now and uh, in the future
3: uh i think it all started with a uh, clubhouse like you remember we were all in lockdown nobody could communicate with each other yeah we couldn't meet with each other and when Clubhouse took off, all of the cannabis uh, mongols was on there talking like all the big ones, Burner, all the growers, all the brands, we all got to talk to each other, get to know each other. It was it was really amazing because like those people I'm not able to, to meet with in public, it's, it takes a lot of channels to get to those people. So when I was able to actually talk to all of them and we all connected, uh, Alex was one of the ones that really kept in contact with me. So we developed a friendship And I can't, I I approached him and was like, hey, you know, I'm working on something. I wanna bring you, I wanna uh, get you involved with it. Uh, I did my research on him already. He already had his brand already up and going. It looks good. Everything's legit. He always, he he has a following his distribution and it only made sense to bring uh, his marijuana brand with my CBD. So that way both of us can be on the forefront of uh, this experiment in the metaverse. So I had this, this CBD. And he has the marijuana, and we're already on the for- forefront. So once we work out all the kinks and get things going, uh, I think that me and his brand will be the ones that will get will benefit eventually in the future, because we're getting a lot of attention right now. Like Forbes, Wall Street Journal, we have all the big dolls knocking at our door. So we can only go up from here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And so in terms of going up from here, you you know what what can uh, consumers and, and fans of the brand expect, or, you know, both companies, uh, you know, expect to see in the coming months and, and what can we be on the lookout for?
3: Uh, right now, uh, I'm just trying to stay consistent, uh, make sure my, my product's good, make sure, uh, when people receive the packages, they have experience with it and they get extra perks with it. Um, we're just right now, we're kind of just as technology advances with Web3 and, uh, VR and stuff, we're kind of just, Trying to stay up to date and come up with new ideas but in the meanwhile me and alex are just uh we're pretty much just sitting back kind of letting it play out by itself
2: yeah i think uh like as more of these metaverses develop hopefully we'll start not only being in crypto voxels hopefully me and Brandon will go into sandbox you know go into Decentraland or whichever will be the most popular one where people actually be able to go and have access and I think that there will be a community there. I think we definitely want to keep, you know, our brands in the metaverse. And like you said, look, we're talking to you, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, a plethora of other, you know, uh, you know, media companies, and that's all from the metaverse. So that was one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring our brand there is to get that attention that we're getting. So so far, it's worked. Um, financially, uh, it's not like we're killing it or we're making millions of yeah. dollars. And and that, I think, one of the reasons why is just because there's just not too many people that know how to get on to these, to these metaverses or don't have the eyeballs yet, that many eyeballs on them yet. So once I think that there's more people that are going, when it becomes more like Roblox and Fortnite, where you have your you know millions of people at one time in this one space, I think that's when it will translate into dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. I just think that's that great. we're like, like with the cannabis industry, the metaverse is not even in the first inning yet. I feel like it's just like, we're just getting our big toe wet right now. So once it expands and once, you know, there's more and more um, people and eyeballs there, I think that's when it will start translating into dollars and cents. But like I said, our main objective was just for some, a place for us to advertise really. Yeah.
1: Yeah and and it's it's like you you're also i think it's a really smart move because you're establishing yourself on a, as a player or as players before to your point because once it pops it's like it's like when nft's popped i mean then the rush comes so you know not to exactly. say that met the metaverse hasn't popped yet but in many ways in this specific sector that we're talking about it's still very much a uh, you know wide open terrain and uh, we're
2: we're, we're, at big, we're at bitcoin at 100 right now Bitcoin yeah. at, 100, at $100. So yeah. a hundred, at a hundred dollars. So there's a lot of growth there, you know? So, uh, I think that's what we're excited about. And as, as that, as that world grows, we hope to grow with it. Mm. Well,
1: and it, and it sounds like, you know, in terms of everything that you and Brandon are doing, Alex, uh, you know, you're well positioned both as you said, with web three and, and, uh, kind of the, the vision and, uh, hopefully some, uh, advancements in the the legal system too that that can help enable and spearhead the growth too because I think that's what's also really interesting is the growth of the metaverse and sort of the hopeful growth of and changes to the cannabis rules and regulations at least here in the US. It sounds like that's a the, the those two things can coincide in a really interesting way, and certainly impact, you know, your businesses, uh, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Guys, Alex, Alex Todd, Brendan Howard. This has been another episode of the Decent People podcast. I'm your host, Steve Ludden. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. And uh, this has been great.
2: Thank you for having us, man.
0: That's it for this episode of Decent People. Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes for more information on our guests today. And make sure to look us up on the web at Desential.io. That's D-E-C-E-N-T-I-A-L.io. And on Twitter, at Decential. Have a great day.